Bill, we are going. How are you? Thanks for coming. Justin, great to be here. I've been enjoying podcasts. I got a, a saying to you as I came in, uh, my son's got me onto podcasts and it's been a great way to listen instead of music all the time now. It's uh, it, Whenever I have to explain to someone that doesn't know what a podcast is, I just say the advanced version of radio and then everyone just clicks into it. You, trust me, there's still people that don't understand what a podcast is, but it's starting to come around. Oh, listen. It's uh, almost there. Yeah, I, I think I think what, what it is, you to a choice of now what you want to listen to. Instead of the radio, you got to sift through or wait till that thing comes. You yeah. Say, hey, wow, I'm on. I'm listening to Bob McCowan now. I'm going to listen to Al Gore. I'm going to listen to whatever my, my, my genre is yeah. that I want to listen to. And I can listen to it at 10 in the morning, 10 at night, as I walk, as I drive. Yeah. So it's, it, I, think they're, I think it's a great way to communicate these days. I like the no commercial breaks as well. Like you and I will sit here for an hour, no commercials in between. We can just sit here and have a conversation without any break. Yeah. It's a rare thing in any news radio anything there's always a little you know a little commercial break exactly and you never know where the conversation goes when you sit down for a pure hour it's cool and and i think it flows better you know the few times that i've done some radio johnny Moore in the past uh, with the mooseheads yeah yeah yeah. sometimes john and i've just got into conversations yeah and i and i guess it was an old bob mccowan commercial about baseball you know people commentating on baseball it's a conversational sport yeah you can talk about something go oh pitch outside then go back to your conversation because yeah. it's ball, right? And I think this is sort of the same thing. It's a game of catch, back and forth, and away we go. Awesome. So where were you? You're just in PEI, you said? No, I'm going to PEI today. Where are you doing up there? Uh, family, my wife's family's over there. Uh, the first time in a long time that uh, the four of us, uh, my son Luke, who you played hockey with and lacrosse against, and my daughter, and my wife and I are going to be there together. So yeah. in the summer. Yeah. So we're looking forward to it. Beach day tomorrow, I think. And, nice. And uh, maybe a pub crawler too. My brother just got back from there. He was surprised there was no holdup at the bridge or anything. It was just one guy asking you some questions, no test, and you're good to go. He thought it would be a lot longer. Yeah. But no, no he's good. Uh, we're taking the ferry tonight. We like the ferry. It's a yeah. little bit of our tradition as a family we've done for years. Oh, yeah? And, and uh, my mother-in-law lives on that side of PEI, Charlottetown. So yeah. yeah, we're off the boat 25 minutes. We're at our host. So, you know, it's that, relaxing. I love PEI in the summer. Nothing better. Especially the ferry aspect. Not a lot of people like to take the ferry. I'm a big ferry fan. I love uh, the ferry. The ferry's great. It's a lot of fun. We yeah. enjoy it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's we've done it all of our, you know, my in-laws moved back there uh, 26 years ago. They're both from PEI. And 26 years ago, they moved back to the island. So, We've been doing it fairly regularly yeah. for the last 26 years. <laughs> awesome. Keep that tradition. Don't yes, break exactly. it. Um, as soon as we announced that you were coming on the podcast yesterday, I wouldn't. Uh, people message us. A lot of people message us talking about your calves, <laughs> talking about uh, your hockey IQ, talking about you probably know the most people in this part of the world when it comes to the game of hockey, which is a big compliment because we've had a lot of people on this show that know the game of hockey. That's pretty cool. What do you attribute that to? The, not the calves, the hockey side. How, well, the calves you, were the strictly ca- for my running days. So <laughs> but, <laughs> We'll get into the calves uh, yeah, later. Exactly. But um, the, uh, the hockey side of it, I, I guess, you know, the, like one of the big here. things, Belly, is I've, I've been at this, you know, I started coaching when I was 20 years old. 20. And uh, so this is, uh, I'm 58 this fall. I know, hard to believe. Congrats. But, uh, yeah. Don't I, look I it. Make it. As long as I make it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I've been at it. And the hockey community is, I feel, one of the most uh, positive, worthwhile communities and supportive. Um, I, I, it's, it's when you get to build relationships and Chris Donnelly, who I coached tw- when I was 20, um, Chrissy looked at me one day and said, and this is after we were working together in hockey schools, he goes, you built a relationship with me when I needed it. He had left midget hockey. He'd come to high, I was coaching high school, Prince Andrew. And he said, you trusted me. And that's when it started. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's where it's at. I think Justin is, is relationships that you build, you keep them. Uh, we're in a small part of the world, so you don't burn bridges. You take high roads, um, I've been really lucky to have worked uh, Hockey Nova Scotia's high performance program for a number of years. So that that exposes you to people in Cape Breton, people in Yarmouth, you know, people in Churro, Picto, you name it. 
all over this province uh, and then outside the region. I got a lot of buddies in, in PEI that, that uh, I've gotten to know from hockey. So it's just keeping those relationships and, and keeping them going. Every time you see them, it's uh, how you doing, what's going on. Yeah. You know? Where do you think the trust factor came in with you? With you know, a dudes was telling me you were, uh, you know, the development of hockey Nova Scotia for I think you said you fourteen, you fifteen when you went up to Saint-Avax, and you've yeah. been in that position for a long time. But yeah. it feels like when a man is in that position, it's a lot of trust from a lot of other people. Where do you think that trust was given to you? Yeah, well, Kevin Mitchell probably was the guy that brought it on uh, yeah. back. Um, around 2003, they changed the structure of how the high performance program worked and they created roles such what they call director of operations. So I worked with under 15 team for a number of years. And there was times when Kevin would say to Dave Ritzy and I, for example, Hey, uh, you guys are uh, running the camp this weekend and Ganesh, I'm going to the trailer. And Dave and I'd be like, okay, you know, so, you know, it wasn't that we were kids, but you know, you're thinking about it. You have. Uh, approximately 100 people plus you're responsible for, players, coaches, things like that. Yeah. And they're in a dorm environment and, uh, you know, you got to make sure they're locked down and that includes the staff. And, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, you got to know these people. You got to know the players. You know, you spend five days, you see kids in dining halls, you see them on the ice, you see them doing off ice. You built relationships with them. Uh, the coaches, the same thing. You know, our day would start at 6.30 in the morning and go till midnight, uh, at least. Jeez. So in, in those, you know, at night it would be pizzas and some adult beverages. And, you know, the guys got in the room got to know each other. And that's another aspect of it. And I think Hockey Nova Scotia has done a great job over the years of bringing coaches together from different levels, um, different parts of the province. And suddenly now that guy's not just a guy I'm coaching against a major midget. Hey, he's a really good guy. I learned something from him when I was on the ice at a, uh, during a practice. Mm. And suddenly it takes that adversarial um, uh, way we look at coaching. I mean, you know, when I was, when I grew up in Woodlawn and Dartmouth, if I crossed Main Street, that was Westfall, Port Wallace, and that was a fight. And today, you know, there's no definitive areas within Dartmouth. I was a Woodlawn boy, they're Westfall boys, you know, downtown Dartmouth guys, you know. Now it's all one big happy family. And um, so things have changed. And I think, but I think this is all part of it that we, uh, because of social media, because of all these ways that we can stay in touch. So. That's in, that's that, that was not expecting that answer. That's yeah. it was very detailed. Yeah. Um, we always talk about it. I hate beating it, but it, it's another thing I have to bring up with you because you've been in the world of Nova Scotia hockey, and obviously you know the the talent coming from this part of the world is, you know, it's incredible. I think we tweeted out the other day seven guys in the NHL playoffs yep, right pretty now. Pretty cool, right? Incredible. And yeah. you've been with Hockey Nova Scotia for you know a long time yeah. in the past. What can you attribute it to? You know, you just mentioned coaching. Yeah. You, you know, coaching obviously has something to do with the development of a, of a, of a young hockey player. What do you think? Um, well, it's funny. I mentioned Kevin Mitchell's name before, and Kevin and I had we had an interview one day, or he had an interview with a gentleman from Radio Canada in, in, in Moncton. We okay. were up for a Challenge Cup. And he said to me, he goes, bud, they're going to ask me some questions. What am I going to, you know, what are we going to? And I said, I, I truly believe it was the day the Mooseheads came to town. Yeah, that that answer. See, because I'm younger, yeah. I I wasn't here when the Mooseheads were here. But that answer has come up yeah. more than often. Well, you know, I think back. You know, I played midget hockey. Uh, you know, I'm old enough that the midget trip A league had just started. People in Dartmouth said it's not going to last. You know, it's what 40 plus years now. Yeah, that's the league is gone. And so my midget A team was probably the second best team in the province that year. We challenged the Nova. Uh, Nova Pirates to go to the Air Canada Cup because in those days everybody went to Air Canada. Every yeah. province went. They had a guy na named Al McGinnis in the blue line, and <laughs> and uh, but he wasn't their best defenseman. Who was? Uh, guy named Gerard McIntyre. 
So he was probably about their fourth or fifth defense. We didn't skate well, but they had a pretty good shot, eh? Yeah. So, um, but Alan, Alan scored some goals that, that mattered. And, um, but when I think back at it and I go to myself, you know, there was a guy on my team that got a letter from each, each league. We'd like you to try out Saskatoon Blades, Kitchener Rangers, and the Hall Olympic. That's all it was. There was no draft. There was nothing. And it was going down the road. It was always, you had to pack your bags. You know, Sean McKenzie tells me a story that, you know, in, in one Labor Day weekend, uh, guy says, hey, come up to Windsor, Ontario, play hockey. Gets up there, makes the team over Labor Day weekend. Had to call his mom and dad for clothes. Yeah. So the world has changed. I mean, I, I, getting a little bothered when I saw a lot of these people signing with their teams here over the last, since the last Quebec League draft, because I always think there's a thing called tryouts. Training camp. I mean, I went through, when I worked 10 years in the Eagles, you know, training camp was a pretty neat time. So... In what sense? There was actually spots available oh, to make? 100%. Because yeah, right 100%. now, there's a lot of the teams pretty yeah, much. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think there's a big difference. But when the Mooseheads came to town, players didn't, it wasn't a dream. It wasn't a guy going to Hull or a guy going to, to Quebec City. Uh, there was there were some guys, local people that had connections. Uh, you know, Kitchener was a big place for Nova Scotians. Hull was another place. Uh, Quebec City. Um, not really to the west a whole bunch, but, you know, the Sioux was another place. Uh, Danny Flynn ended up coaching in, in Ontario, so he was drawing some players out. But there was no formalization, but when Moose came to town, the world changed. So people got to see what it was. They got to see how you did it. Um, you got to see what the commitment was. Mm. Because before it was just like, uh, I'm going to go try out. You know, so now all see of a sudden, yeah. And I come home, I come home, I play Junior A for uh, the Lions. And you remember the Junior A League was just Metro, really. Yeah. It was called Metro Valley. Truro, oh, yeah. Amherst, okay. Valley, three teams in the city. How was the league back then? Oh, you know, it was... It was like Fan-wise? Well, fan? you know, I, I played in the sports plex the first year it opened. We averaged over 1,000 people a no night. No way. Yeah, not compared to your Metro Marauders. I was going to say, where, where were you back then? I need, oh my God. Yeah. You know, if we played Cole Harbor or Halifax, there was 1,500 people in the rink, and it was in the playoffs, it was 2,000. What do you think's changed? Well, I think why, the, why can't why can't that happen oh, I think when the, I play? Again, the Mooseheads. Oh, the monster across the water. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've yeah, taken yeah. advertising dollars. They've yeah. taken uh, people's, and let's face it, it's a family event. When you go to a Moosehead game, especially on a Sunday afternoon, yeah. mom, dad, the kids are there, maybe grandpa, you know, grandma. Um, it's an event. Yeah. Um, and again, it, it, and when, when you get to watch an Alex Tongay, uh, you know, uh, a Nick Ehlers, uh, you know, Nico, Nico Heischer, these guys that go on to the NHL, you, you get an attachment to them. Uh, or even the guys that, that stick around to play university hockey. So um, it's a totally different thing, you know. It's And again, you know, if someone told me that the Mooseheads were going to average over the lifespan of their years in Halifax, you know, probably six to 7,000 people a night, probably a lot of us would have said, that's ah, never going to happen. But it do, did. Do you think the same thing's going to happen with the Thunderbirds right now? Well, I, I got to one game, yeah. um, and I was blown away by the atmosphere. What game, if you don't mind me asking, do you remember? I was in the Molson box, bud, so... Uh, <laughs> I don't remember too much. No, no, I just, uh, you know, uh, I was with Luke, and uh, actually my wife, Mag, was with me, and uh, the owner of the place where Luke works took us, so... Um, but it was a game that uh, they were down, I can remember, and they came back to win it, and, like, they were down by, like, seven or eight, and they clawed away and clawed away. But I, I remember when that exhibition game happened years ago, when you were probably midget age, it was an exhibition game. Oh, Toronto and yeah. Montreal or Colorado yeah. or someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they came in, and the music while it played during the play, I think that's huge. Yeah. It's an entertainment value to it, plus a pretty darn exciting sport. 
well, when you mentioned the Mooseheads and it's a family event, I'm yeah. like, well, that's exactly what the Thunderbirds are right now. Yeah, exactly. It's a family event. Yeah. If you don't know anything about the game, you're going to sit down and have some fun. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, what I remember when Luke started playing lacrosse, no one knew what the game was about and there was no authorities. So it was totally different than hockey. You know, a guy would cross-check someone and they go, is that a penalty or not a penalty? Yeah. So, you know, that's what I like about lacrosse. I think the average fan doesn't know the sport that well, so they're, it's, it's real entertainment. Yeah. You know, as opposed to, oh, that, that, you know, the guy didn't pick well on that. Uh, I didn't think his stick was going to go into the net. You know, there's no authorities. Yeah. I, that's what I love about the Thunderbird. But. Um, when it comes to the back to the game of hockey, yeah. I see that you've, you've kind of worked with both sides, the younger talent, and then you've worked at the Quebec major junior hockey level. Two different uh, personalities, two different yeah. skill levels, two different everything. What do you enjoy more? I, well, I, I tell you, when I went, I was coaching major midget hockey and I had an opportunity to coach with uh, scout with the Eagles. And a um, uh, gentleman just passed away a couple of months ago, Johnny Varon in the Valley, who was a great guy, uh, was doing the job for the Eagles. And he came to me and said, look, I, I just can't get to the city to watch games. Yeah. So he introduced me to a gentleman by the name of Gary Lesage, who was a, a, an icon, I believe, in the Quebec League for a number of years. He knew everybody and made a, he did a great job with me of introducing me to everybody. When I went in, French, English didn't make a difference. I was introduced to people. So again, I got another network there through the Quebec League, and I met some wonderful people in the 12 years I worked there. Um, and I, I don't miss it now, because uh, I like Saturday night. I like sitting at home and yeah. you know just relaxing as opposed to bundling up at 6.30 to go to the rink and maybe freeze somewhere. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was a great opportunity. We had a wonderful run when I was in Cape Breton, and you know, good bunch of guys. I, I had a t- we had a team. We were a team. Our scouting staff was a team too, so yeah. it was a, it made it a big difference. I remember, uh, I just remember a time when I was with the Mooseheads, I was healthy scratched a bunch and I was up in the press box yeah. and I saw you, cause you know, the, the healthy guys sit on the far left of the, in the press box. And I see you walk in from the far right where like Bobby stands and yeah. all the food is. And there's probably a good 15, 20 guys up in like, you know, scouts, you know, management, whatever. And I remember you all, you pretty much shook everyone's hand. Yeah. Before you sat down, it probably took you, you know, it was just, you're in my peripherals. I was just looking at you. It probably took you 10, 15 minutes to sit down because you had, you, everyone, yeah, you're shaking everyone's yeah, hand. That's, that's how you keep relationships. That's how you build them. You know, uh, th- then you'd be sitting there and I remember one night there was a guy that was by himself. He was a pro scout yeah. and it was Mario Merrill. was his name. And he came over to me at one point and said, uh, Hey, uh, you, uh, you know, he sort of, you know, a little broken English and he played in the NHL. He was, he's a pretty good player. He was scouting Vancouver. Okay. He goes, can I ask you a couple of questions? So he was asking me about how long is going to get to Sydney, where he should go eat, because he found <laughs> out I worked <laughs> yeah, for the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a fraternity. And, you know, I, 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 it's a wonderful world to be in. Like I said, would I go back to scouting tomorrow? Maybe, but not. Because I really enjoy what I'm doing now, working in minor hockey. So, um, you know, I, it's a, it's, I'm focused on that. I don't have any distractions. Um, and it's, it's a busy job in the winter. Yeah. So, um, but no, the scouting was, uh, it had its fun. Hey, listen, let's not kid ourselves. You walked in the rink, people knew you were a major junior scout. You had a lot of friends too. People wanted to be your friend. Yeah. And they thought it made a difference. But I, uh, I really enjoyed my time there. And like I said, I worked with a great bunch of guys, uh, Gary Lesage, Yannick LeMay, who's now with the Winnipeg Jets. Pascal Vincent was the head coach. And when you got to know your coach, and he, you knew you could walk in a rink and watch a player and go, everybody go, oh, that player, not in our world. I knew that he would not get along, you know, in our environment that we had as a team. So, um, you know, it made a big difference. You know, we had some real successful drafts over the years. And, uh, you know, it was, it's fun to get to know those guys yeah. too, you know. 
did you struggle at all with the politics of it all? You know, people messaging you saying, hey, my kid's the real deal. Get them here. Like, when I talk to people that are high up in the rankings of scouting, management, agents, they, they talk about the politics aspect of it. Is there anything like that that you maybe struggled with or do you thought you, you handled it pretty well as a professional? I don't think the proliferation of social media was as bad. I mean, I've been over it for 10 years now. Yeah. So, um, uh, but, you know, during that time, you might have people come up. To, it was more face-to-face stuff. It wasn't emailing or Well, that's why it's more text. difficult, I find. Yeah. But, you know, you, you kind of ignored them. In what you know, sense? You, just, I'll talk to you later, man. Have a good yeah, day. Just, yeah, exactly. See. You know, if a parent came up to me and said something, I said, look, I, I really make an effort of after the season's over to talk to people. Yeah. Uh, during the season? No. Because I, I, I watched uh, dressing rooms get ruined by, you know, Johnny's got a sp- In bantam hockey, Johnny's got a spot with the Subways. Johnny's got a spot with the Max. Whatever. And suddenly you saw kids... Not play as hard because they, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. So um, I took that to, to junior too, and I was really busy in the month of May. I was at a lot of homes in PEI, uh, Nova Scotia, sitting at kitchen tables and you know discussing you know what what it would be to play in. The, it was more playing in the Quebec League. You were selling the Quebec League as opposed to the Screaming Eagles. Interesting. Yeah. What's the common thread of? Well, what's the common conversation when you're sitting at a family dinner table with the kid and the parents? What do you, other than the the team, what are you trying to pitch for when it comes to the league? Well, the biggest thing is that I found that I found people did more research on buying a new microwave than they factual research than they did on their child's hockey. Really? It would be more like, well, I talk, I heard this and I heard that, yeah. as opposed to here's the facts. Yeah. You're gonna travel on a bus. Yeah. You're gonna go to school. In our world, here's when we went to school. Yeah. You know our. Uh, when I started there, it switched from having a morning practice to an afternoon practice. Yeah. Because Steve Dixon was drafted, and his mom said, I want Steven to go to school. So after we drafted him, head coach looked at me and goes, I guess we're doing afternoon practices. I said, yeah, I, I think it would be prudent. So they, they changed their environment. Yeah. So we were, I was able to tell people, here's what it's about. Your kids going to be living with a billet. You know, and, that, and by the way, mom, your, your son now is another mother. And don't take offense by that. Say thank you to that. Uh, Cape Breton was a wonderful place for the billets. There's still uh, Eric McRae is a gentleman up there who's who's had a he's been a billet since day one. Wow. And uh, his one of his latest has been Pierre Pierre Luc Dubois. So wow. of course he had a picture of Pierre getting ripped apart by Torts. The other I saw night. that this morning. Yeah. yeah so yeah, 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 um, yeah. you know so you know so the people up there they're they're such wonderful people that they yeah. cared. So as a parent, you would sit there and go, oh, my, my, my son's going to a great place. Yeah. No. Well, did you listen to Igor's podcast when he was talking about his billets? Yes. Yeah. My God. Yeah. He just couldn't thank. Every yeah. sentence was out of his mouth was thanking his mom billet, his parents, their, yeah. the billet. It just. But then, then you believe him. You're like, yeah, that's the people in Cape Breton. Yes. Like he's living there, I'm pretty sure, for free right now. Yeah. Just like, yeah, whatever. Just stay here. Yeah. You can't go back to Russia. Don't worry. We'll take care of you. Yeah. Pretty yeah. sure like he drove in with his billet's car. Like he's just, yeah. just take it. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And and they they do a very good job of screening up there. You know, they're, they've, you know, like every place. There's been some issues over the years, but hey, next move along, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's been a, a lot of people. Marc-Andre Fleury had some wonderful billets. And when he got drafted, his mom and dad were there and his billet parents. At his wedding, his billet parents were there. They stay in touch. I don't know if he's come back as much. Of course, not back this year. But usually every year he's back in Cape Breton to visit. Really, I you know, know that. and that's you know, and, and but he is like, and there he was there. Uh, he was a goalie when I was there, and everything you see is what he was. It's he, one thing I wish I experienced was the billet aspect of it. Yeah. I never did. Did Luke get to experience it? No. It's it's one no. thing like Safaris, a good buddy of mine, yeah. he'll still text his billets from Gatineau. Yeah. You know, and she's like, I never had that relationship. It seems like a, a really cool one to have for the rest of your life. It seems like he's been out of junior hockey for ten years yes, now, and exactly. he's still yeah. talking to them. One of the things I believe that, and, and Steve Dixon was an example of this, and Joey Haddad, two guys have played with us. Yeah. Um, 
being local was good that Stephen didn't play in Halifax and Joey didn't play in Cape Breton to start. He played in PEI. I think the pressure of a player to play in their hometown is a lot greater because for the first two years, Steve came to, to Halifax to play. He was usually the worst player on the ice. Really? Yeah, he just had bad games. He, oh, he'd be frustrated as can be, but pressure, playing in front of his buds, you know, his family be yeah. there. But when he played in Sydney, where he played in Moncton, he was a rock star. So, you know, so I, I think as you get older, I think it's better for a guy to, you know, yeah. to, to come back home as opposed to start at home. Some can do it, like an Andrew Bonner, Chuck did it. Yeah. I listened to Chuck's the podcast the other day. I really enjoyed it, yeah. you know, and he's a you know, very mature young man. He led the interview. Like, yes. I was just listening to him and go, keep talking, man. Like yeah. the, He was dropping uh, like knowledge bombs on how yes. to become a pro hockey player. It was really yeah. cool. Uh, you know, in, in, in that whole group, you got to remember, in that group of 88s, which is probably one of our best graduating groups out of this province, you had, you know, Marshan Hillier, um, James Shepard, and Bondarchuk. They were all drafted in the same year in the NHL. James, a first-round pick. And they all lived on the same street, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, James in Lower Sackville, and the Lower rest Sackville. of the three of them were all yeah. in Hammonds Plains there. Uh, best buds, yeah. you know. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a statement. The next best group we have is our 98 group. Mm. Uh, you know, people argue, oh, the 99s are strong. Every parent, by the way, always says, oh, a strong group of O2s coming through, or strong group of O7s. And, you know, I started with 84, so I, I, I have a hard time tracking this. So, um, But I look at the, the 1998 group, and that was the first, second year that they changed the Gatorade Challenge for, uh, they got rid of Team Atlantic, and you had to make the national the national level. But they had an event in Quebec each each spring. Yeah. Um, three players in that that weren't on that team, names are Gregor McLeod, Drake Batherson, and Morgan Barron, that didn't make the under-16 team. So, you know, I, I look at that and I go, uh, I was lucky to have coached Morgan and Bantam, and he wasn't a very... He wasn't very big, he's a monster now. But that same way he played in Bantam is the way he plays today and the same personality and the same everything. He's a quality young man. And uh, But they didn't make that under-16 team. So, you know, that's another message, you know, that just because at that state, place in time that you don't make something, you know, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. In today's world, that's very important to some people, whether it's you 13, 14, 15. People think if you don't make it, you're out of the mix. Mm. You know, I don't know if you saw the uh, Paul Maurice's uh, clip that he had on this week about um, Harkins. No. Uh, worth checking out, Justin. Uh, you know, he talked about a guy that wasn't a first-round pick, and he scored a big goal the other night. And, yeah. And Maurice being his way he is, he was going to play the next 14 years in the NHL. You know, matter of fact. Uh, so, you know. So, there's, you know, there's been some great players come through here. And, and uh, you know, like I said, but I believe a lot of it, like we started off with there, is you know, is because of the Mooseheads. People got to see what it was about. Yeah. What's the most rewarding feeling about uh, working in minor hockey? Smiles. Yeah? Yep. Uh, I just uh, just signed an extension with my job, and they were concerned I was spending too much time in the rink. And I said... Uh, That's a good boss to have, or that's yeah, a good organization so, to work uh, for. You know, um, <laughs> I'm sitting there going like, hey, guys, you know, I, I get it. Um, I believe it's an organic job. It's a job... Uh, you know, being a technical director of minor association of 700 plus kids, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of hockey players. Um, but on a Friday night when I'm sitting in Shearwater and I'm watching an Adam A game at seven, seven o'clock at night yeah. and the kid scores, I have him on the ice on Monday or Tuesday and I skate up to him and go, nice goal you had the other day. And he gives me a smile. Yeah. That's, that's a hundred bucks. That's a thousand bucks. Right. Yeah. So uh, watching players get better and yeah. it doesn't matter, um, 
people always get hung up at the top. But when you watch a, a lower level player progress, um, you know, if they go from B to A, that's their NHL. I love you that. Yeah. And and if they go and and there's always those players, you know, that that suddenly become something at an age that, you know, where it matters. And really, the age that matters is when you're over 16, 17. Up till then, it's puberty. Well, it's it's when hockey starts to get. I feel important. You have regional events. You have opportunities to be drafted. Yeah. But you know, there's no uh, there's no under twelve draft. Yeah. Right. And there's no under twelve national championship. Yeah. It's tough for kids to understand that. I was one of those kids. You know. Cut from the max. Luke might have been one of those kids yep. too. You know, getting yep. cut and you go home. All your friends are wearing the major midget jacket, yep. and you're just sitting in high school, and you're like, yeah, fuck, what am I doing with my yep. life? Yep. You question a lot of things because your no whole question. life, you question. Yep. Yeah, your whole life is dedicated yep. to one thing: putting a puck in a net. Yeah, and it's tough. You know, I, and, and you're right. I mean, I went through some things with Luke. He was one of those double A, triple A guys. Yeah, never triple A, triple A. Yeah, and uh, but yet I look at it. He never made a provincial team, but yet guys that made provincial team weren't playing hockey by 18. You know, he, uh, you know, he, I, I love the way, uh, you know, there's another part, you know, when you watch your kids do their sports, that to me is a million bucks right there. Is it? I, oh, yeah. I don't know the feeling. Uh, someday. Yeah. <laughs> we talked to Sean O'Brien about yeah. this and he's just like, you know, said the same oh, Obi, thing. Obi was a great podcaster yeah. and it is true. You know, my daughter was a figure skater. Oh yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, really tough sport. Individual sports are, are totally different than team sports. Yeah. The pressure. And in figure skating, you might have four to five competitions a year. So you think about hockey, really? you got four to five in two weeks. Yeah. So you're training your tail off for a summer and all through the fall. And then your season's kind of over by March, but then you're starting back on for the next oh, yeah, year, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're, you're really, your fall's important. And it's tough. It's tough on them. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, I think one of the, the things that I think my wife and I have expressed in our kids, do your best. Be your best. Be happy when you're your best. Don't, there's not a, there's not a mark that says, oh, you got to play triple A. But if you're, you know, if you're, but if you're going to do it, you're going to work your tail off too. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's both of them, right? Have took those attributes. Uh, they're working right now and they're not happy. They're, they're, uh, they're working at the pub together. So. <laughs> <laughs> they're not coming to PEI with <laughs> you? Yeah, they are. Are you picking they, them they, up they after? They to leave earlier. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. What kind of guidance do you give your daughter for figure skating? Like, does your wife know figure skating? Like, uh, how yeah, do you, how do you guide uh, a kid uh, if you don't know the sport? Well, that's probably the best way to be a parent. To be honest, and what's what do you mean? Not know the sport, really? Oh yeah. Oh, that would frustrate the hell out of me. Not well, knowing. Well, I, I there was a thing called test day, so the uh, the skaters would have to go to a test. Yeah. And uh, they would be doing a stroking, a different type of dance. And uh, my wife was a former skater in her okay. day, and she coached some skating when she was at University of Acadia. And so, um, she would get very uptight. Yeah. So it fed off on our daughter. So Catherine looked at me one day. Can Dad take me to to test day? So she'd go do her thing. I'd look at her coach. I'd shrug my shoulders. i go, up, down. How'd she do? And so we left, and she passed. You know, so good. We go home, you know. <laughs> Almost like, let's get the ice cream cone. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. And, and um, I didn't know a difference. It took me a long time in axle, between axle and flip and things like that. And, yeah. and these other parents, oh, my daughter's doing this or that. I was like, eh, whatever, you know. Yeah. I, watched a, I watched a young lady grow as a person, you know, in, in confidence. And, yeah. And at the same time, have some real barriers there too. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it, it all works out in the wash, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. She's, she wants to get into coaching now, and she yeah. has done some coaching. Um, Luke, unfortunately, uh, 
uh, is a little disillusioned, I think, at some points. With I, I'd love to get him out coaching yeah. with another young guy like a Brad McDonald. Yeah, uh, Brad coaches in the Whalers Association now, and I think they'd work well together. But he's he's jaded by parents, yeah. and that's pretty sad when you have a 27, almost 28 next week uh, year old son who, who who would be a very good coach doesn't want to because of parents, and that's a sad thing to hear too. I've heard that a lot. A lot of guys off the podcast, they've talked about yeah. it, but it, it's a it's a thing, and that's very unfortunate. Yeah. And that's why I like to always ask the questions about being a hockey dad. I'm not going to say yeah. I'm going to have kids. Who knows? Maybe one day. But I remember watching Sebastian, my younger brother, when you know he played, and you know I'd go with my mom and my dad, and I found myself more frustrated and not yelling, but yeah. there were definitely times on the tip of my tongue where I could have yelled at the ref, and that kind of scared me. Yeah. It's like I don't want to be that guy ever. And that's why I always like to, you know, to ask these questions and, you know, how do you hold yourself back? How do you become a a good parent? How do you guide your kid rather than tell your kid what to do? Well, I think one of the things neat for me was I was scouting when he played midget, for example. Yeah. And uh, so I'd sit by myself. I didn't sit around the other parents because, you know, I had another job to do. Yeah. I was evaluating, you know, probably in every game. You know, if if Dartmouth and Halifax played a midget game, I was evaluating 20 players, 10 in each team, say. Yeah. Um, But. You know, I think as you, they grow and they get older, you change too. Because I can remember taking him to, say, Bridgewater to a game. And uh, I'd look over and he'd be asleep. <laughs> but coming home, it'd be replay of the game. Did you see this? Did you see that? Yeah. But to the way of the game, he kind of, you know, he, he retreated inside the turtle shell and didn't say much. And yeah. I learned not to say anything. I'd look at him. i go, hey, play hard and yeah. go. But that was when he was older. When you're younger, everybody's a, a hockey dad yeah. or a hockey mom. Yeah. And it's tough. It's a tough environment to be in because there's expectations that you, if you don't know better as a parent, you think that's the way you're supposed to behave. You're supposed to yell at officials. You're supposed to be mad. I looked at a group of parents here not too long ago and I said, is, is winning important to you guys? And they said, so winning or losing? Oh, no, no, just want, you know. I said, well, why when they lose do you look like you're leaving the funeral home from your best friend's wake? <laughs> and they didn't see themselves. And I, don't, I think that's, uh, people almost need to be videoed some days to see this is what you look like in the ring. And then there's some, and let's not, let's not paint every parent with that brush because there are more good parents than, than I call bad parents okay. by far. Yeah. Um, but they get, they get hung up in a bit of a mob mentality that, oh, you know, we should have beat, you know, this team. Well, no, you shouldn't have beat Shabakto because they have a really good team. You know, yeah. Shabakto Minor is growing as an association. They're doing some wonderful things out there development-wise. It's not the old days that it was scoring race night. You know, that you could get five points against Shabakto, you know, each line. Yeah. Not anymore. You know, um, I like to hear that. That's great. It's the sport is in a real good place. You know, in this province, uh, yeah. Um, a lot of there's a lot of good things happening, and not just in the city. Like all over the province, there's a lot yeah. of good things happening. What's the number one thing you think you take pride in with your job? I mean, there's so many aspects of your job. It's it's pleasing people. It's it's making kids from you know B to A, and then you say that's their NHL. It seems like there's so many elements or so many pathways you can go with your job. What's one thing that you can? I know it's a tough question because it's, there's <laughs> it's you can't just nail one thing, but What's one aspect you really take pride in? My thing is consistency. You know, like Sunday, Saturday, I like to book these podcasts five days a week and just take pride in that schedule. I go on my Google calendar and I'm like, all right, let's fill this fucking calendar up and let's get to work. What's that one thing you take pride in? Consistency. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Going to all games. Yeah. Try to get to as many games. You know, just go see AAA. Yeah. I like that. I like that answer. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I work with coaches and we introduced a product I, and I got to give a shout out to Sean McKenzie in Bedford because he is probably uh, the mentor to a lot of people in hockey. Uh, he's been a great mentor for me. Um, Love to have him on here. Uh, he, yeah, he, yeah. 
Yeah. You talk about tiny stories you can't tell. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, it's, um, uh, you know, Sean introduced a thing out in Bedford called uh, core skills. So what, what he identified with, with the coaches, the average coach can't teach skill. Okay. So you have stations. And it, this is peewee hockey. I mean, it was like back to novice and IP. So, uh, you know, we, we do a thing called, so I, I adopted that in Dartmouth and I think it was a, it was a home run. So every Saturday, Sunday, I'm going through videos. And so instead of getting a piece of paper, you're, you're, you have a station, I'm sending you a video of your station. Yeah. So you can see it at different angles and how you're doing it. So I'm going to need a bumper. I'm going to need two cones. I'm going to need this, you know, to set up my station. I have all the stuff ready for them. So that's part of it. But I think it's connecting with a whole bunch of people is, is where it's at. And so what I have to do this with the coaches, I'm doing this with the top end Adam coaches. I'm doing this with Adam recreational coaches. They're doing the same drills. They're doing the same stuff. And people say, well, I said, no, why, why wouldn't you do the same stuff? Why wouldn't you? Like, you know, it doesn't, we can't differentiate players yeah. and that's how you grow your sport. But, uh, you know, getting, you know, getting to know, have more relationships. You mentioned, you know, about my relationship that I have with a lot of people. Now I'm building more relationships and there's a trust factor. Yeah. So there, I'm not, you know, I think some points, some people think I'm out there to, to coach their team. And I don't want to coach their team. Yeah. I've coached a lot of teams. Yeah. I've been on a lot of benches, yeah. but I don't think that that's the way to go. And, and I, after a game, I'll say to them, Hey, how was your game? And usually on a, on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday morning, I'm sitting in my office and my phone rings. What'd you see last night? The coaches, you know, I, or I got an issue I got to deal with. So once you build those relationships and the trust factor, it's great. It and, must be uh, a rewarding feeling yeah. knowing that coaches are calling you saying, yes. what did you see last night? Two things. Yeah. One, it means they care. Yeah. Two, it means they respect your input. Yeah. That's a great yeah. feeling. Yeah. And, and what, I, what I've learned too is to listen. I've learned to listen f- to the people and a lot of times answer the question themselves. They need the bounce. They need the bouncing board. You know, if you're a coach and went home and like I coach Midget, I was famous for going home saying to my wife, I knew we won. Can you tell me the score? Or <laughs> I knew we lost, but I, I always knew the last score. Um, you know, so sometimes having that person to talk to, you know, when you go home and you know, you got your family sitting there and you look at your wife and say, oh, geez, you know, our four check stunk tonight. And she's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, you know, I I had two, I had a, I had a daughter I was taking care of, you know, and this and that, and you know, because my wife's a saint. Uh, uh, when I started coaching midget in 1995, she was pregnant with her daughter, and uh, I was playing in a tournament out, and it was called a Maki tournament. It used to be Maki, Maki. So it was okay. all the coaches. Okay, it was out in Lower Sackville, and um, it was in May, and I was playing with a real good friend of mine, Tom McKetton, who passed away three years ago. And he and I coached Bantam the year before, Bantam AAA in Dartmouth. And after a game, he sits down beside me and we're having maybe a beer. And he goes, uh, ah, we got a chance to coach Midget next year. I got to know tomorrow. I get out of the car. I, I get out of the rink. I go to the car. And those days, the voicemail, no texting. Yeah. And I check the voicemail at home. And my wife was working at the Grace at the time in labor and delivery. And I get this message at home saying, you can come in any time now. <laughs> so I call the hospital at the, the duty desk. I said, hey, what's going on? Oh, uh, just come on in. So she was so dehydrated during a pregnancy with her oh. daughter that she had to get IV treatment. So I walk in the door, and she loves telling the story because sometimes when you have a beer or two and you've just finished playing the sweat, you know. I know. I know. You might smell a bit more. So <laughs> I come in, I look at her, and she goes, you stink, like this. And I go, mm-hmm, Okay. I said, I got something I got to ask you. 
like, and so I said, and I got to know. And she just looked at me like lying in a hospital bed and said, well, you know, you want to coach, you coach. So our daughter was born October 18th. Ten days later, she's at her first hockey game. Oh, so, man. and every night I'd be in Clover Place looking across and yeah. she'd be coming in at the stroller. So, and Luke could have been three. Wow. So, you know, and that's the thing about, and I respect a lot of coaches too that coach without their kids involved. Yeah. And because I did that. And I think there's a lot of people, Chris Donnelly's in that boat, a lot of guys, Kevin Mitchell, yeah. all these great hockey minds that we have in the province. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, so my, my, my life partner is, uh, it's crazier than me, I think, to, to do it because, and, and she got into it. And then as I was coaching midgets, she became my George Costanza, assistant to the travel secretary. Ah. She, used, <laughs> she used to book, she started to travel with the team. And so I'd say team meals and she'd have team meals booked. She'd get all the parents' hotel rooms done and it was great. So, you know, it's been a, it's been a great uh, run. And, uh, and even when I was scouting, you know, she, she might've made a trip or two and gone shopping yeah. when I was scouting. And yeah. So... Uh, it's tough right now. Like the winters are long, you know, cause I'm in the rink every day. But you got to, you know, do you still love it? You oh, still love it. You know, I wouldn't do it. Like I wouldn't trade it in. Yeah. Don't give me a desk job yeah. anymore. Like I'm too old for that anyways. But, <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't sit there and move paper around all day. Yeah. Drive me crazy. That's awesome. There's nothing yeah. more that makes me more happy than seeing other people happy with their job. That's why I started this. I wasn't happy with my job, but when people come on here and talk about how happy they are with yep. life and their job, it's, and it gets tough. me going. It's you know? We were talking before the show that a lot of a lot of young guys want to say, "Hey, I want a job in hockey." Uh, there's not a lot of jobs in hockey. Let's call it that. Uh, you might be able to try to create one, mm. podcast this and doing sports. And I liked what you did with Wayne Bedecki, and you've gone on some different angles with Wayne. And Wayne, I, I scouted Wayne. I had Wayne as an affiliate player with the Eagles when did he was you? playing junior. So I didn't know that. you know all these guys, and and uh, you know you you. you, you you can do things, but you got to create your own niche. But for a guy just to sit there and say, I want to coach hockey for a living, you got to leave town. Oh, yeah? You know, I think you do have to leave town because there's, you take, you know, Hockey Nova Scotia has six, seven full-time employees. You take away, you know, a couple of the university teams, the major junior teams, and those few guys at Junior A. There might be 30 people in the province making their living full-time at hockey. That's not a lot of people. Not a lot of people. So to say you want to do it, I don't want to, I don't want to dismay people. But it's the reality is you better have a plan B. Mm. I remember sitting with Jim Midgley and Troy Ryan one day, and they were early in their coaching day, especially Midgey. And I said to them, hey, boys, you're going to have a real job someday. And they both looked at each other. No. And they've done a good job of it. Yeah. You know, Jimmy's in Europe. and, and He's coming Troy, on Friday, Midgey. Oh, is that's he? Yeah. You, mid, uh, you know, if there's a person that, uh, you know, here's a, here's a transplant, you know. Kid leaves home to you – know, he played with Joe Thornton. Like, the stories you're going to – you can get out of him is, is unbelievable. But um, – he is a hockey person. He lives it. He drinks it. He watches a game at a different level than, than a lot of people do. Um, he passion for the sport, you know, pat the word passion thrown around a little loosely. And he's one of them that I, I truly believe in. And, and Troy is the same. Uh, Troy's a fantastic story. I mean, so many things about Troy's life that are, that could have gone another way. Yeah. And, uh, he is, uh, I believe a, huge bright mind in this country not just nova scotia my favorite um, coach of all time that ever coached oh, troy yeah well I, I, I kick the story about the time he told you to take your gear off your uh, you and bedecky i think you were talking about that in your yeah. last podcast and i I love the other troy story where he walks in looks at the captains and go you gotta tell three guys to take their gear off <laughs> so he's done different <laughs> versions of that and uh i know he said to me he goes i gotta watch it because it's getting worn out you know so <laughs> i don't think he's done it with the national team yet yeah yeah i'm sure that wouldn't <laughs> go over that well but uh, you know he's a guy that and again if you wanted someone to run a hockey practice tomorrow troy would do it for you yeah 
Jim would do it for you. And these guys are uh, they're good people. Uh, Jim's first coaching job was coaching Luke and Alex Safaris in spring hockey. No way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. His yeah. elite prospects is impressive. I was on yes. it. I didn't know his playing career was yes. just as impressive as his yeah. coaching career. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I like how you said that you told both of them that they're going to have to have a real job yeah. soon, and they go, no, no, no. <laughs> but that's exactly the mindset yeah. you need. No, no, yeah. no. No, no, no. no. I'm going to be all right. Yeah. I and, love that. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they both, uh, you know, I look at Troy some days. I ran into him just before things shut down in March, and uh, he looked pretty tired. And I said, hey, bud, you're looking tired. And he goes, yeah, I am. And it was it was really frustrating because the world championships hadn't been they, – they all but canceled, and he knew they were being canceled. and. Um, a lot of work he was doing for no reason. So, yeah. you know, and it's tough. He, he travels a lot with, with Hockey Canada and uh, he doesn't have a home base, you know. Yeah, he has a home base here, but it's... It's out of a hotel most of the year. Yeah, he's in a suitcase. Yeah. So. Um, what was I going to ask? I froze here. Oh, yeah. Um, coming into a hockey career, when, you, when it comes to managing, I guess, um, how do I say this? A career path. There's so many options. Once again, coaching, management, scout, you did that. What's your favorite when it comes into, I guess, a career path? What do you like the most? Well, I think these jobs right now, you're going to see more of these technical director type jobs yeah. open up. Um, ourselves, Dartmouth Minor, Bedford has one, uh, Sackville Minor does. Yeah. Uh, they have them around um, uh, Glace Bays part-time. Uh, there's a few few other associations that are looking at it. Halifax Minor, yeah. because of COVID, put their position on hold. Is there any... Sorry to interrupt yep. the question, but is there any word on when minor hockey's coming back? Is something come we'll out? To, we'll, we'll cut okay, we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah, that's another Okay, you know, another conversation. Half hour. Okay. Like Andre LaFave says, do you have six hours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what, uh, you know, so those jobs are, th- those jobs are going to grow more because okay. people realize that, um, I think one of the biggest things that Bedford recognized with Sean was executives can come and go, but Sean's still there providing the same leadership and the same theme. So their association's growing. And and I think that's where I'm at now and in going into year four is that I'm providing a consistent methodology to where their association's going. Okay. Okay. And I think people are saying, hey, this this makes sense. And and we have to do that. We have to come up with the money to pay people to do it. And I think you're gonna see more of that happen. Um, like, you know, Chris McDonald, who assistant coach at Acadia, there's some PEI killer was a great player, played major junior, played university hockey. He does it with Acadia Minor, and it's a part-time thing. But you know, there's like I said, there's there's all these. So to me, there's a there's a place where you grow your resume, you work hockey schools, you learn as much as you can from people around you. Any hockey coach that doesn't learn from another hockey coach is is not going to be a hockey coach. You steal drills, you 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 and because that person stole the drill too. Don't forget, no one's invented a drill usually. Yeah. You're taking yeah. it up somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that to me is, I think that's the growth area in the sport right now. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, that you're seeing more of that. And I, and again, it's, it's, it's more feasible than saying you're going to be a coach. Um, you know, coaches are like, it was funny where John, Luke and I were talking about John Tortorella and, you know, the three year, the three year coach window, you know, as a coach, you get past three years in the NHL, you're, you're doing okay. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, I think that's where it's at, uh, to, to say, you know, there, there's not a lot of administrative jobs in the sport. You know, Hockey Nova Scotia is a, a small part of it. I mean, and they're overseeing uh, 17,000 plus members, you know, so. Uh, Jeez. Yeah, exactly. I like um, how you said that you have to move away in order to be a coach or to do anything in hockey here. One, it, it makes you have conversations with strangers. Yeah. Like you said at the beginning of the podcast, hockey in Nova Scotia is a tight bubble. No, yep. no pun intended. But 
when you move away, you're forced to meet new people. You're forced to interact with different parents, with different players. And there's a little bit of the unknown that comes into that. And that makes you grow. When I moved out to Vancouver and started this podcast, yeah, it was okay, but I didn't know anyone. But having conversations with complete strangers allowed me to come back to Nova Scotia and talk to people that I somewhat knew on a confident level. Same thing with coaching, I'm assuming. Well, I think think with coaching, you broaden your horizons. You, You learn. And I think when I worked in major junior, I was able to work with coaches, see things, watch hockey throughout Quebec, um, watch how they played. You know, I can remember, you know, being in training camp and Pascal would sit down beside me, you know, I like Justin Belanger, but, you know, there's... And that was a constant theme I heard. Our players were good, but they weren't there. So I think one of the pride things that I'm trying to do and through other other programs, I think all the same thing, we're trying to get our players to be an equal. Yeah. You know, because I think uh, you, you can attest to this in your time at, at junior that those guys were always better. No matter what, they were better. And that is a real frustrating thing. And um, I think as long as we have Quebec as the first word of our league here, it's going to stay like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think when I worked in Cape Breton, there was guys that uh, that made teams just because of who they were. Mm. You know, uh, Chrissy Culligan, I, I, I can talk enough about assistant coach there now. And Cully got drafted, fifth-round pick. Um we did it. We did a few good years. Of five, our fifth, our fifths were great, and uh, came in all-time leading scorer. You know, captain of the team. Went to UMB. Two captains. Two national championships. And if you'd seen him playing the point at 15 years old in the Metro Center with 10,000 people, I didn't see. I might have seen yeah. him. I don't and remember. you're sitting there and you're looking at him, and he comes off and after the game, and he, you know, he's 15, still no shave, nothing. And I looked at him and said, "How was that tonight, bud?" PowerPoint because our D wasn't that strong at moving pucks. We had some yeah. some good old right angle defenseman in those days. Yeah. So we needed a decision maker back there. So 15 years old, he's on the power play on the point. And he just smiled and had this little grin. And I said, bud, you did great. You know, and so when you, you watch players grow and you, you see opportunities, you really, that, that, that's where, that's, that, that comes right back to my kid from going from B to A. Yeah. You know, and I think people got to keep it in perspective. Do you have a, a story? Sean O'Brien was talking about Sonia, how he drafted him when he wasn't thinking about playing hockey and look where he is now. Do you have a story of one kid maybe that you saw potential and no one else did? And Well, I think, I think Chrissy Culligan could be that person. Yeah? You know, it was a fifth round. Like, you got to remember in those days, at the end of the fifth round, 15-year-olds couldn't be taken anymore. Yeah. So at round six, there was a break between fifth and sixth round. Oh, really? And the sixth round became another, another, another layer of players. Okay. So all the 15-year-olds are out the door. You got a different list you're working off of now. And it was paper, and none of the, you know, it was yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. you know, my job was with a ruler to, to scratch, you know, every guy that got drafted, I had to scratch because, you know, we, we had to be efficient and going. So um, <laughs> my job was any Atlantic Canadian player. Um, but Chris Culligan, I think, is, is that player that, you know, I remember scouting him in the, the Hall tournament, uh, midget tournament, and that was such a great event to go to. Love and that I, tournament. Yeah, and I, I coached in it for seven years. It was just, oh, a, yeah? a, just the greatest thing in the world. But, uh, I liked watching the, the Nova Scotian teams go there to see how they played against Kingston Canadians or Toronto Marlies, whoever. Because when you watch them play against Valley, So Shore, you know, whoever in the league, it gets a little mundane. So there's a game and there's a young guy, um, oh gosh, his name escapes me, Brett Morrison, that was on the team. And Brett was a, like he was a, I think he ended up going second round to, to Hull. And he was a skilled player. Okay. He plays in the game. He's got two goals and assists. He actually has a goal, five on three. He's the three. He dangles the Kingston Canadians, scores shorthanded, two men down. The scouts' heads are just buried in their books. I go to a meeting in May, 
and I'm banging the table for, for Chris Culligan because I had my game sheet out. Yeah. Chris had a goal and three assists in that game. So you get, you know, and, and then he goes on, he makes the team, and the way he progressed as a player and as a young man, and, and yeah. like I just, you know, there was a guy that, uh, yeah, fifth round, like he was six picks away from not getting drafted that year. And look at him now. Yep. That's crazy. You know, Nick McNeil the next year was another Cape Breton guy from Judic, uh, no, from Craig Nish. And uh, is Chris, one, Chris was from Howie Center. That helped him probably a little bit being at home in Sydney. Yeah. Um, the next year was Nick McNeil from Craig Nish down in, in the straight area. And uh, Nick ended up being another fifth round pick. <laughs> Robert Slaney. Um, Robert had played uh, in Peterborough. In those days, you get a choice between playing Ontario or Quebec League. Robert Slaney went to Peterborough, didn't play much, came back, like left at Christmas. Yeah. Came back, was playing high school hockey in Newfoundland. Um, the, the year he was drafted, he was the first pick we took in the sixth round. I think we moved up to get him. He's now Dr. Slaney, med school, and he ended up being Canadian Hockey League uh, Academic Player of the Year. No way. His last year as a 20-year-old. Wow. Um, he went to the pro. And he ended up at X. He sat out his time. Yeah. I uh, played pro with the Marlies for a year or two. And then he said, you know what? Time to get on with life. And he's in med school today. <laughs> and I, I'd, I'd have him check, you know, yeah. do, do my do my physical. He's a, <laughs> he's a, you know, he's, he's a smart young guy, but classic Newfoundlander. Big big smile all the time. Happy to see him. Yeah. Just so many players like that, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, I watch players come through the high performance program too that, that I look back and I look at, you know, how they progressed as players and, um, again, you know, like a Morgan Barron that, that you coached in Bantam and, you know, he just signed an NHL contract. And, and again, he didn't get protected to play a major midget in Halifax. So he went to the subways, on to St. Andrews, you know, to Cornell. New York you know. could have used them this past week. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of players. And I think, you know, uh, um, I never was involved with a, a, a Maritime Junior Draft, the Maritime Junior League. Um but there's, you know, there's, there's players that, one of the things I loved about Cape Breton where they were like 10th round pick made the team, 12th round pick made the team one year. You know, again, that wouldn't happen today because, of, you know, the comment that, you know, like you said, all the guys are signed now. You're a second round pick, first round pick, you're on the team. And it's frustrating being those guys, you know, we'll have guys come on the podcast that like they're that 19 year old who's kind of on the bubble, but yep. I'll, I'll never ask the question, but you can tell in their tone of voice that they're not going to be on the team next year and yep. they know. Yep. And that frustrates me because I was that kid my whole life, and that's not fair. You got training camp needs to be training camp. Training yes. camp can't be warm up to the regular season. Season training camp needs to be war. Training camp needs to be uh, Luke uh, when I it was Ryan Davis and Luke Warner going at it head to head, wanting to kill each other because they wanted that spot on the yep. team. That's what training camp yep. needs to be. I well, love a, that. There was a player that we didn't draft. Uh, Moncton did. Luke Pelham from Herring Cove. Yeah, uh, I coached Luke and Midget. Um, Probably one of the toughest players to play in the league, but could play some hockey too. What was his name? Sorry, Luke Pelham. Luke Pelham. Yeah, so he's a famous Pelham family from Jaring Cove. Brother, uh, cousin. Cousin. Okay. No, I, no different. Different family. Different Pelham group. Yeah. Somehow related, probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Pelham Herring <laughs> Cove. Anyways, he gets drafted by um, Moncton. Okay. And it guts back to you know Tommy Coolen was in Moncton at the time, and he played with 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 Luke's dad, Cliff Daryl Young, was involved in Moncton at the time, so there was a lot of connections there. When he was a 20-year-old, he was the most sought-after 20-year-old at Christmas that year because of his dressing room presence. And if you watched him play midget hockey and if you watched him play, he wasn't the prettiest skater, but mm -hmm. he could get around the rink. 
What do you but, mean by that? Get around the. Like, he, he could skate, just he wasn't had, okay, pretty. Okay, sorry. Just okay. Kind of gangly. He had a yeah. had a big skate, like a fourteen skate. So yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of blade. Uh, <laughs> but you know, he, he actually, but but tough as nails. Yeah. Greatest teammate going. Yeah. And everybody wanted him in their room. So suddenly a conversation came up in our world, and I was like, well, you know, we we didn't like him. You know, because uh, we got for a while they went through a phase of the Eagles. You, know, you got to be a pretty skater. You got to be this. Got to be that. Yeah, it was tough. So, but you know, there was you know our, our draft meetings. We used to have a tough guy list. Oh yeah, yeah. So you know, George would be on that list. You know, guys like that. Interesting. So, yeah. Do you think that tough guy list still exists? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was gone before I left. Um, you know, as Pascal said one day, you know, I can't have a guy sit in the bench and play uh, thirty-eight seconds and two shifts. Yeah. You know, they got to be able to play. You know, yeah. we needed team toughness. That was the term that they used. You know, somebody would stick up for someone else when needed, but it wasn't a role anymore. Those yeah. roles are those are done. Has anything happened? To, happened? Excuse me, to hockey Nova Scotia in the past? I guess how long has Crosby been in the league? Fifteen, almost fifteen years now. Yeah. Has anything happened to hockey Nova Scotia since Sid, Brad, and uh, and Nate have you know made their path? It almost seems like before those three. Don't get me wrong, hockey Nova Scotia. Yep. It's a great name, yep. but it just seems like if you walk into a rink now and you have a hockey Nova Scotia. Uh, jacket on there's a little bit more of a respect factor yeah you know i think the high performance program's done a great job of streaming kids yeah. into the, the different programs darren sutherland runs out at hockey nova scotia before that it was kevin mitchell as a volunteer doing it um you know it, it it it's i'm not saying that they go out and make the players but they're identifying players and they're streaming them together yeah. for provincial teams. Um, Gareth McDonald at Hockey Nova Scotia does communications does an amazing job of promoting whenever a player from the province um, does something at, at different levels. You know, Ryan Graves pumping his tires last week or this week when he scored his goal for Colorado. And Ryan Graves is a great story too. You know, there's a there's a player that I wasn't involved with him at all as a player, but you know, to play, make the NHL is unbelievable. Because, you know, he's from small-town Nova Scotia. He's not, you know, he's not a Dartmouth, you know, Cole Harbor guy, you know. we got to remember that Nathan McKinnon does live in Dartmouth, not Cole Harbor. So, because there's <laughs> yeah. that part of Dartmouth that's part of, it's called Bel Air, and that's where he lives. I love teasing Nathan about shameless, that. Shameless plug. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a Dartmouth guy. But, yeah, but, you yeah. know, exactly. Yeah. So, but he says to me that it's all about Cole Harbor. Like, it's a, it's yeah. a Sid-Nathan connection, yeah. you know, so. He just goes with the media, you know, he's just great. But, you know, it, 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 there's so many players, and I think Hockey Nova Scotia deserves a big handshake for that. Huge. Um, they've done a good job, like I said, of promoting players, identifying them. Uh, now that the way the process works, that you're selected to play, to try out for an under-17 team. So an Oscar Plandowski for a recent Kent, uh, Jake Gooby, uh, players like that, they're identified. And then scouts watch them to go. So it's a little different world, but, um, you know, there's, there's again, back to the first question, you know, since the Mooseheads have come to town, people are, are, are doing the things it takes. But I, I think it was Andrew Bonnershock that said one of his concerns, and I agree with him, is is too much coaching. You know? I love that what he said that. Yes. I loved it. I look at yourself as an athlete. I love watching you play lacrosse. I used to joke and say, I want to see him at the high school dance because the moves that you had on the lacrosse floor were unbelievable. You beat yourself three times to get to the net, you know, and, and it was entertainment, but that's, that's lacrosse. But you were an athlete, and I think that's and, – and, and Sean O'Brien alluded to this in his podcast that, you know, the good players are athletes. And you ask Midge when he comes on that they have – they used to have a ball game. The Mooseheads would have a little team builder at a certain part of training camp. Guys never played ball before. Couldn't throw a ball, couldn't hit, but yet we're incredible hockey players. 
but were they that incredible? Because the athleticism <sighs> wasn't there. You so, got to be an athlete. You have. What to. do you What do you think about the two two sport athlete? Obviously, you you, you love it. There's no. I mean, myself, I was a track athlete. I was a hockey player that, that could run, and then I stopped yeah. playing hockey, and I became a track athlete at 22. Oh, yeah. Like, I had to work at it. That's a unique... Yeah. You know, I, I was still going as in university and stuff, and so uh, I had to work a lot harder at it. You know, I yeah. had to watch the diet all of a sudden, as opposed to hockey just kept me in shape. Oh, Whereas today, the problem today is that is that there's, there's, there's no, no seasons. It's one season for hockey, one season for soccer. It's all year. So, so do you agree? Do you think no, hockey? No, I, I think that players should go pick up a lacrosse stick. I think it helps their game, helps their mind do something different. You know, I know that we can't talk about Joe Newendikes of the world, but, I mean, he was a heck of a lacrosse player. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of those guys that played multi-sports. Gretzky was good enough to play rookie ball, you know, with the Jays, you know, the, things like that. So um, it, it's changed. It's really changed. Expectations have changed. The, yeah. the way that our... our our sports have gone and it's very sad because um like track and field to me was a great sport because when i ran track I, when i was at the canada games the person that, that handed me the baton was snoopy tines who that fall became a cis rookie of the year for football you know so you know you just you, you were a bunch of guys that, that could do other sports and all of a sudden oh i can run too or i could throw a javelin there were so many players so many people that i met in that sport that that were a football player or yeah. basketball player yeah you know and um so that doesn't happen today no because you're in the spring you're oh, i can't do tracks i'm doing i'm going away to montreal spring tournament yeah um i can't play uh, or soccer wants me all year round and at 13 or 14 i'm making a decision is that's that tough is that working out no let players play their sport they're supposed to play I hate how naive I was when I played hockey, when it came to watching other sports too. I didn't watch basketball, didn't watch football. It was just hockey, hockey, hockey. Yeah. And you look around, you know, I got a, a football, a baseball glove right there. Yep. I got lacrosse sticks everywhere. Yep. You know, it, as soon as I was done lacrosse like, or hockey, my eyes opened. Yep. And I learned so much from watching other sports, learned so much about other personalities, learned so much about other businesses of sports. Yes. And I just kind of wish I did that when I played. Nothing wrong with it. You know, I guess a lot of hockey players don't really look around. But if there's anyone listening to this and you are playing hockey, or even if you are playing soccer full-time, look at other sports. There's nothing wrong with it. it, it it's very beneficial. Or look at a, a player like Matthew Steinberg. I remember yeah. Matthew, I think Dad had babysitting duty that day. And, <laughs> you know, Matt was watching practice, but he watched it. Yeah. And I think that's what players don't do either. If you're gonna if you're gonna watch your sport, watch it. Learn from it. Yep. Just don't sit there and go, oh, big hit. Yeah. Like uh, you know, growing up, you know, the V's, the, the Halifax, uh, the Nova Scotia Voyagers, you know, Montreal's farm team. When you get to watch Pierre Mondu play, um, Rod Langway, Mario Tremblay, Dougie Risebrow, you know, they all came through Halifax, Guy Carbonel, um, so many names that went on to the NHL. And I didn't realize until later in life that tickets were four were eight dollars for an adult. Four dollars for a student. My best friend growing up, uh, Matt Solis's dad, Don. Uh, Don. His, his his dad and I, his dad and my dad took turns buying tickets. That kept us off the streets on Friday nights, because we were at the Metro Center. We took the ferry over, went to the game, came back, yeah. and we watched guys play hockey. Yeah. And so you know you learn the sport that way too. So yeah. I think that uh, there's so much. Uh, uh, I said I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. You know, two plus two equals four. Everybody thinks if I do the following things, I'm going to be a hockey player as opposed to, no, go learn another sport or ride your bike this summer. You know, mm -hmm. do things that make you, and then you're hungry for the game. I think it's the competition aspect that I enjoy. Because yeah. it's out of, 
don't get me wrong. There's competition in business. There's competition in everything. But the only thing at a young age that I knew was sports. I remember a story back when I was growing up. My parents, they flew me to Montreal to for summer because I, I summer camp here. I didn't, I didn't yeah. do well in summer camp. And uh, the Expos were back there. And my right. grandfather had season tickets to the Expos. They were so cheap because no one was going to the exactly. games. And the Expos were terrible. Yeah. And I remember my grandfather always telling me stories about, you know, it would be the ninth inning and the Expos would be down by 10. But I didn't want to leave. No. I wanted to stay and watch. No. It would be the worst game in the world. But I was amazed that that first baseman is looking off the guy, you know, throwing off to second, whatever. Yeah. I, I was just amazed in the competition aspect. I, I loved it. Yeah. And it's cool how it kind of relates to everything in life. And, but, you know, you, I, I'll, I'll say one thing. COVID-19 may have opened some people's eyes because uh, March 13th, Hockey Canada said, we're done. Now, for the next week or two, my phone was blowing up. When are we doing spring camp? People hadn't gotten the memo. Hockey was toast. And I think it actually sent a message to the country because something as, as big a thing as, as hockey is in this in this nation that, hey, it's that important. We're not playing hockey. So it took a little bit of time to get people to understand that, hey, we're, we're <laughs> it's done, guys. Like, you know, no spring tryouts, no spring four-on-four fun stuff. We're, we're done. So, but I found, I talked to a lot of people that suddenly there's a family meal. Like in our house, we, family meals, we had a regular meal every night. Do we, you? We had conversation. We didn't have that in years, bud. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. So, you know, we, we had family meals. We had conversation. We had the choice of what we're going to have tomorrow night. Like, it was like a menu. Who's cooking, you know? What are we going to have? Is it chicken? Is it, you know, this? and, um, But, you know, and, and, and that made it open people's eyes up to, hey, there's a bit more life than hockey. They got a little cuckoo when things started to open up in May and June and people were jumping on the ice. And we also had the biggest case of FOMO, fear of missing out. You know, oh, my, my kids got to get on the ice. What do you get on the ice for? Exactly. We don't know. Your question, you start to ask about when we're going back. Um, we really don't know when we're going to play a game of hockey. Uh, right now, it's going to be a lot of skill development for the months of September and October for sure. Uh, until public health comes back and says, we can have a bubble of X number of people non-social distance. Yeah. That's when we play hockey. I got people lying to me then. Like, there's, there's people out there saying it'll be back in October. I'm just like, yeah. all right, well. And it might be. You know, and, 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 and like I always say, uh, listen, those crystal ball people, let's go to the stock market in Toronto. Yeah. Let's find out what company's getting the vaccine. Yeah. Let's make a lot of money and not worry about hockey. Yeah. You know, but – But are that's saying, the thing. I worry about money because it's the business. It's yes, like my yeah. business. So it's like I need it back. It's, yeah. It is you tough. Know. It is tough. Same with you, though. You, know, yeah. you need it well, back. Everyone, exactly. We all need it fucking back. So what's going to happen is that, you know, Hockey Nova Scotia is then called a rebound plan. Uh, they did a great job of taking um, people from all around the province were involved. They had committees set up looking at different parts of the sport. Yeah. Uh, safety, uh, actual what it looked like, uh, financial part of it all, risk management, you name it. They had these different, and they had people from, right, from one end to the other. So... Um, what they're going to have, and you're going to see in the month of September, is people doing skill stuff. In October, we can start a, a level of tryouts. Um, there's a real concern that what kids are going to go back to school, what's, what it's going to be like. Oh, yeah. So that first of September, that's normally a jacked up time for tryouts and all the pressure. Nothing like that's going to happen. So um, we're going to have skills for September. October, you may see some groupings within associations to start to select teams. Okay. But again... Right as of today, you know, March, or sorry, August 5, you know, until Dr. Strang gives us a green light. And let's face it, you're going to need 50 people non-social distanced. You had two rosters, let's call them 18 apiece. There's 36. Four, four referees on the ice. You know, now we're at 40. 
two guys in the penalty box, 42, the rest are going to be staff. That's what can be in a rink. Now, there can be fans, but they'll be social distanced. But under our world today, we need a bubble of 50 to play a hockey game. So when's that going to happen? Who knows? You know, I hope it happens, but yeah. I have no idea when it'll happen. No, exactly. No one has the money like the NHL to make an actual yeah. bubble, stay in hotels. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I want to. I have a question about the Mooseheads. Just, it kind of just yeah. came into my head. I was doing some research on the actual organization on Wikipedia, yeah. and it said that there was a, a complication issue between leasing out the Metro Center back in the day. Do you know anything about yeah, that? Yeah, I remember that. There was a. I think it was a bit of a tactic on both sides. And Bobby know. wanted to go to the Forum. Uh, he he threatened to go to the Forum. Yeah. He said, you know, I don't need the Metro Center and. He actually was starting to put money into that's if you remember the foyer changed that was the year that they they changed the doors when you went inside the door to the forum because he had to do it for streaming of people to get in the door oh yeah um so they put a little money into it it was a bit of a uh, but yeah they were going to go to the farm to play and um boy that would have been a different experience and what was the talk around the city well i think people kind of knew that it was a bluff on one part yeah. because you know you go from a ten thousand seat arena with luxury boxes to uh you know the form, the form. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know a place that i watched pro hockey as a kid oh yeah and everybody did because that was the facility in town yeah so the smell of that place ah. gets that there in centennial it's that's my childhood was well, so it back to hall to the old gratan arena that to me was a, a classic rink too you know is that the rink they still play in they're they're going to a new rink which is oh, are they? called the new the, the robert gratan i don't know who he is and yeah what his claim to fame was in in, in now i guess you'd say gatineau but uh um, yeah, no. Did you play in Hall? I coached there. You coached? My dad played there. Yeah. Played for like five games with like Luke uh, Robitaille was okay. there. Yeah. Back in those days. Went to his billet. Yes. There was a chain around the fridge. He couldn't get any food. Well, you know, you, you hear different stories about billets in Quebec and it was yeah. a different world. You know, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, a player like a John Simmon, you know, didn't stay in the Quebec League when he, yeah. was, when he went up and he went to Ontario. And there were some real, real barriers in those days. Oh, yeah. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You miss the bus, you're getting there on your own yeah. type thing. You're, you're done. Uh, I talked to a guy that um, is from PEI, and his son was a pretty good player. We were meeting with him before a draft, and he said that he, he billed it with a, a guy named Mario Tremblay when he when he played in the Montreal Junior Canadiens, they were called. And uh, th- Mario would come home at 2 in the morning and wake the billet up and make him ah. make the lady make him food. Like, I was Jesus. going, holy, jeez. Of course, no McDonald's drive throughs in those days. So, but, uh, you know. <laughs> You know, you hear the, the the stories. You know that that happened back in the day of of, of way back when. You yeah. know, and, and uh, but you know some of the pathfinders. You know that went through this. You know, like a Tim Cranston, a Sean McKenzie, uh, you know Paul Bootlier, the guys that left the area to play hockey. And you know that was a huge. Le- well, as Sean said, I didn't know what I was doing, but it was a big leap of faith. And suddenly, you know, Darren Kosser, Gosh, you know, Darren, uh, Vice President of Hockey Canada, I was my boss at Hockey Nova Scotia. You know, once a week, call home. That's, he lived, played in Niagara Falls, you know, for the Flyers there in, in junior. And, and uh, once a week, he had a call home. He didn't have a computer. He yeah. didn't have internet. You had once a week call home. He had to call at a certain time because it was cheaper. You know, that's what you had. And, and uh, those guys all left. And there was one year, there was three goalies in the All-Star team in the Ontario League. Yeah. It was Sean McKenzie, Wendell Young, and, and Darren Kosser. No way. So, so it's awesome. Uh, there's there's like there's some great uh, you know Darren Darren's a another guy that you know that came out of this world and was a, a two sport athlete. He was a he was a really good soccer goalie, and had a shot at national level soccer team. And he played you know played university hockey and could have played soccer too, but just yeah you know you, you, seasons conflicted. So you know you talk about multi sport you know and um, there's a lot there was a lot that's that was a difference I think back cool you know Darren and I are the same age so. 
Good stuff. I got to ask you, we got to wrap it up yep. here. We're coming over an hour, but I got to ask you about the Cavs. Everyone's wondering, how do you do it? How do you get the Cavs so big? I feel like Johnny Drama on Entourage. Johnny how do you, how do, you do it? Well, I, uh, I looked at my dad one day, and I realized that uh, it is a bit of genetics. Okay. He didn't have to, but they're just the way they're cropped. The short uh, men have big calves. Yeah, no, this is the way his, <laughs> he was in his 70s when I saw them, so they sure as hell weren't much there. But, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I used to run a lot of track. Okay. Um, I was an active person. Um, I used to run track from uh, basically, you know, hockey ended early because rinks took the ice out and there was no ice in the summer. Might have been one rink or two rinks of ice really? in the summer. St. Mary's was one place to put ice in in August. So you didn't, that's probably the biggest reason why we didn't play hockey in the summer. You, that's you interesting. couldn't play hockey in yeah. the summer. Um, the Gray used to have a hockey school in August too. You know? Okay. So, you know, it wasn't much, like I said, there wasn't much going on. Um, I used to run a lot. I was active. I biked. I just was an active person, and uh, you know, when when uh, Meg and I had Luke, uh, she jokingly said one day to the nurses she worked with, she goes, "I'm not worried about the head; I'm worried about the calves." And <laughs> I push him out, and I walked in one day in a pair of shorts, and the girl, "Holy Jesus!" The girl said, "I can see why," but I I don't have an answer. Just that I was an active person. I really enjoyed running. Uh, track was a, a sport that I was a better better runner than I was a hockey player by far. Really? Yeah, and. Um, uh, the unfortunate thing is, you know, running is a different, you know, different animal. Is a, it's mental. Is a, yeah, but it's also a different sport. Like, there's not the, the opportunities to do what I can do in hockey, for example. Yeah. You know, as a coach. Yeah. Even. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, I uh, I actually got stopped in Toronto one day on French Street. What? By some people asking where I got. <laughs> Luke was with me. As we were up for the lacrosse nationals. We had a day off and we went from Oshawa into Toronto and this person stopped me and asked me where I got my calves from. Like your in, you thought implants? Like I, I don't know. He just, it, it, it was, it, just, it was bizarre for someone to stop you on a front street in Toronto. It was actually, it was a group of people. I just, so they're taking anyways. pictures of it. Yeah, like, not yeah. quite that. I, hope, I don't know. I didn't, they did or not. But That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Great conversation topic. Bill, thank you for coming on, oh, man. Justin, like, this is great. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. I could talk to you for another two hours right now. Yeah, it's uh you know, I, like I said, and I agree with some of the other um, people you've had on, this is a great, and Steinie's talked about this, I think this is great. Don't get down because of where we're at in hockey right now. I think, you know, you've got an opportunity here to still do more. There's lots of people in our community here that, that to tap. Um, I think that, uh, you know, hockey will come back. It's not going to be the same as quickly, but I think when we get rolling, it's going to be a pretty neat product. Uh, you know, you may want to get out to the rink and, and, and just see some minor hockey associations and, you know, I think that could be a neat little window for you to say, go out to Shabakta Minor some night and interview, you know, the, the people out there to say, you know, what are you doing in the sport today? Because we're in a different world. Um, you know, deny it or, or accept it that, you know, we're going to be wearing masks for a while. Um, we're going to have these social distancing rules for a while. And when I say a while, I mean, I'm hearing as much as a year. It could be. Yeah, I'm hearing two years. Yeah. yeah it's up there. So, it's up um, there. even vaccines, you know, you hear different comments about vaccines. So, uh, you know, don't get down about it, bud. You're doing a great job here. This is fun. I love listening to the other folks you've had on. Appreciate um, that. I think, like I said, you've identified some pretty cool people out in our community, and there's there's lots of them. Yeah. There's some great volunteers in this world here. Uh, there's not just people get paid to do hockey, but there's a lot of people. And, and uh, you know, I think I think you'd be amazed at your traction of going from them, too. So I appreciate thanks, that. So appreciate it. Last minute's yours, though. If you want to thank anyone, ah. family, friends, you go for it. Looking forward to the weekend. Um, yeah. Everyone at PEI. PEI. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it's, 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 I've been blessed to uh, have a supportive family, no question. 
uh, Sean, Sean O'Brien alluded to the same thing. You know, you get to our age, you, you realize different things you're, you're more uh, focused on. And as you said about, you know, major junior hockey, would I want to go back to scouting? No, I don't think I would is the bottom line. Cause I enjoy time with family. So, um, it's going to be different. Our daughter's taken off the end of the uh, month for school in Ontario. Might have a boyfriend in Ontario. She'll have this shout out, but, uh, you know, uh, no, it's good. And I think that, uh, we're looking forward to, uh, the hockey getting back. And I, and I think people are going to reset a little. And I think we, we've had time to reflect and understand there's a bit more life than hockey and a few things. So appreciate it, bud. All right, Bill. Thanks once yep. again, everyone listening. Thank you very much for tuning into the podcast. Enjoy. What's today? Wednesday. Enjoy the rest of the week. Hump day, you're almost there. Have fun. Do that thing you guys were doing. Canada, home of the bagpipe, known for the fiddle players, beer and our cag price, known for Alexander Keats and the donair, home of the moose heads, but I don't really go there, we pay a buck for a liter of gas, smokes cost ten dollars a pack, we always mix our tobacco with weed, it's just the way we always done it, shit is natural to me, so let me tackle the beat, then unravel the scene, and let you people know what you never travel to see, we got battle MCs, we got storytellers, and we got awful MCs and corny motherfuckers. Fuckers. We got everything you wanna hear. Conscious the backpack, commercial the gangster, or it be the abstract. Grunge the rock, classical the country. So many artists working, but no one making money. Welcome to the East Coast, home of the innocent. Still pigeonholed as a farmer, a fisherman. No major league teams, baseball or hockey. No urban radio, just country and pop beats. I'm trying to shake these stereotypes. So give me space, please. Let me air with my life. I don't even need fish. Shit, I never tried lobster. Can't play the fiddle and never was a logger. Swimming clean lakes. Yeah, and enjoy cool breezes. But Halifax harbors like swimming in diseases. We only know for Anna Green Gables, coal mines, the blue nose, and PEI potatoes. The Maritimes is better than that. We living in the nether time, so dead with that. We got universal soul. And Buck 65, and the whole CTG. And of course, classified. We got backburner. Good night. Alpha flight. Lockdown. Mike Boyd. First word. Slow biz. Trying to get they flow heard And let you know that we still working on these old skirts We trying to blow like Halifax explosion Or maybe Amory, I know she's Nova Scotian A hurricane one blowing from the ocean Either way it goes, I'm still repping for my coast, man And that's how we do it down here At least that's how you think we do it down here You know, we all pile in the kitchen Do it like this